Hello, everybody. Welcome to Dirt Nap City. I'm Alex. I'm here with my friend Kelly. Hey, Kelly, what's up? Hey, Alex. Good to see you, man. It's a little dreary outside, but I'm feeling warm and fuzzy inside. It occurred to me that all of the people that we're picking are icons of the 20th century. In order to be interesting and dead, basically, you would have had to be interesting at this point, pretty much in the 20th century, right? Yeah. And today I've got a great 20th century American story for you. Oh, I love the 20th century. After the 21st century, it's my second favorite. It's the American century. You know, you think about all that America contributed to the world in the 20th century. It's our century, man. It's true. When we go to Dirt Nap City, it won't be that way. It won't seem that way. We will have spent most of our life in the 21st century, just a little bit in the 20th century. But to me, this is the American century. It's our century. And I love to hear about people from the, from the 20th century. So today I'm going to tell you a story about immigration, two world wars, Great Depression, capitalism, the American dream. You ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. Well, the person I've chosen for you today um, was born in 1897 in Piacenza, Italy. Ah, okay. But I said this was an American story, didn't I? Well, I also said this pot. was a story of immigration. Yes. He died in 1985. Wow. That was a long life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the year I, I moved, uh, I moved from Michigan to Texas and met, I think I met you in 1985. 1985, actually. that's right. I'm not sure if we talked about this person uh, passing away uh, at all during 1985. But, but, but we both knew who he was. That would have been cool if we did, and this is the second time we talked about it. Yeah, yeah, what a reunion. I will give you his name first, just like I did in the uh, John Holland episode. Okay. Because you might not know him by his name. Or you might know him by his name. His name was Ettore Boyardi. Uh, Ettore. Is this Chef Boyardi? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Chef Boyardi. <laughs> wow. Ettore Boyardi. Boyardi. Okay. So it's not boy, B O Y dash R dash D. He said that because he didn't think that people could pronounce his name. And he was right. His name was actually spelled B-O-I-A-R-D-I. Boyardi. And his name, Ettore, uh, he anglicized into Hector. So he was Hector Boyardi to us, but his name was Ettore Boyardi. Wow. And uh, this guy brought Italian food to America. Wow. One can at a time. <laughs> One can at a time. Man. You know, and everybody, I, I don't meet very many people that don't like Italian food. You know, generally pastas and fish and, um, you know, fresh, fresh, um, what's the stuff? Calamari. You know, everybody loves that stuff. Now, but back then, it was a fairly exotic thing to eat. Uh, there wasn't a lot of Italian food coming uh, before Italian immigrants came. And even when Italian immigrants came, a lot of them weren't opening restaurants and weren't allowed to open restaurants, probably. And they had to do very low-level types of jobs. So... Um, it wasn't something that somebody said, oh, good, this guy's here to bring us Italian food. It was kind of an exotic food in uh, in the U.S. back then. 
Wow. So, so this guy, he was born a chef, man. They, they say that he actually, uh, the rumor is that he used a wire whisk as a rattle when he was a baby. <laughs> okay. You know, just laying there in bed, probably teething on it as well. Right. Cause it was nice and cool. Yeah. And by age 11, he was actually a chef's apprentice, which I think, I don't know if you've met very many 11 year olds. Um, yeah, but that seems um, like a stretch. I mean, just having them in the kitchen is, is, uh, uh, is risky. And he was a chef's apprentice by the time he was 11. Okay. And before he was 16, he was taking jobs in London and Paris, working in, uh, in restaurants. Just amazing to me. The kind of things that back in the day that people would do before they're 16 years old. And, and you said what city he was born in, in Italy. Remind me of the city. Piacenza. Do you know what, is that Northern or Southern Italy? I think it was Southern Italy. Okay. I'm not Cause, sure. Because I think the food style is a little different. It is, yeah. Based on the kind of food he was serving, uh, yeah, I don't think it was Northern. But um, we'll, we'll, um, we'll, we'll check that. Okay. So his brother was already in the U.S. And when he was 16, when uh, Hector was 16, he came to Ellis Island to join his brother who was already working at the, at the Plaza hotel in okay. New York. Yeah. And he went and worked and this is kind of a fast track. This guy, 16 years old. He worked his way up to head chef at the Plaza hotel. He's 16 years old. The next year he's 17. Woodrow Wilson uh, enjoyed the Plaza hotel he enjoyed this guy's food and asked him to, ca- he was president. He asked him to cater his wedding. Wow. 17 years old. He's catering the president's wedding. And you can imagine from then on, you're kind of, you kind of got a, a, a pass to do a lot of things. So you're well Yeah. Known. Yeah. Well, and, and so just quick question on Woodrow Wilson. He got married while he was in office. Hmm. I might have to fact check that. Because <laughs> <laughs> it seems like, uh, yeah, okay. But but uh, but all right. He he. Woodrow Wilson paid attention to him. Let's yeah. Let maybe check that real quick. Yeah, I'm checking that right now. It's good. It's good. Uh, Woodrow Wilson. Oh no no wait wait. I got it right here. Woodrow Wilson marries Edith Boiling Galt on December 18th, 1915. Uh, President Woodrow Wilson marries Edith Galt in Washington D.C. The bride was 43 and the groom was 59. Second marriage for Wilson. Whose wife died, had had died, and he was the president at the time. It says President Woodrow Wilson. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, there you go. Um. Yeah. More power to him. It's strange enough to have a, a president get married in office. Even stranger that he's asking a seventeen-year-old kid to cater the wedding. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. No. Um. Yeah. According to the History Channel, um, History dot com actually says says it here so 1915 right yeah 1915 and boyardi was born in 1897 so yeah he's 17 18 years old yeah crazy right on because he had this presidential um hookup uh he then um during world war one uh when the soldiers came back they had a big uh reception at the white house a homecoming reception for the soldiers 2000 world war one soldiers came and he had Boyardi supervise the homecoming meal for them. So this is a guy that's being noticed and kind of um, making a lot of friends with influential people. Wow. He was uh, the Guy Fiera 
Fierio. What? How do you say his name? Fietti, Guy Fietti, Guy Fietti of the time. But I, I still don't even think. Yeah, I, I mean, I was going to Cele- say celebrity think, chef is what I'm saying. Yeah, I was about to say I don't think a president would do that, but then I remembered the uh, the Super Bowl uh, party for uh, that uh, the Trump threw with the McDonald's and uh, right, right, <laughs> so. Big Macs and uh, McRibs. <laughs> yeah. So. This guy, uh, Chef Boyardee, opened his first restaurant actually in Cleveland, Ohio. I wish it was still there, Kelly, because we're about to go to Cleveland. That's uh, next right. Year. That's right. Maybe we so, can find. Maybe we can find the uh, location, like a plaque or something. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, Il Giardino d'Italia, the Italian Garden, um, and Which later became I, the I, Olive Garden. Yeah, I, w- I wish it was the Olive Garden. Um, so he opened that in 1924. And the thing about this place, and it was like the only Italian restaurant in town, uh, and people were always, they loved his spaghetti sauce. And they were always asking for samples of his spaghetti sauce. So he would take milk bottles. Remember, they had milk bottles back then. He yeah, would wash yeah. out the milk bottles and fill, so- fill it with sauce and give to people on their way out if they asked for it. Here, sir, will you fill this with sauce? <laughs> and it was Chef Boyardee sauce. That's the funny part. Yeah. Now, I mean, things were going well for uh, for our guy. And he probably could have done that forever. Just owning a restaurant, the best restaurant, in, best Italian restaurant in Cleveland, filling milk bottles with uh, sauce. That would have been great. Um, in 1927, he met uh, the Wieners, uh, <laughs> the uh, owners of a local grocery chain. And they helped um, say, you don't have to fill milk bottles. We can help you with a canning process. So they hooked him up with some canning people. And then they hooked him up with the kind of they were in a national uh, network of grocery stores. And he started selling his sauce nationwide. And in fact, in 1928, they had to open a factory to make. There was so much demand for this that they had to open a proper factory. This was just Um, spaghetti sauce initially. Initially, it was just spaghetti sauce. And then he came up with an idea. He said, you know, think about what was going on in this at this time, right? 1927, 1928. So imagine Great Depression time. There's not a lot of people going to restaurants now, um, but there's a lot of people hurting that can't, can't, uh, can't buy food. He said, what I'll do is I'll figure out a way, a product that's uh, dinner for three, that could be made in less than 15 minutes for 28 cents. Perfect for the Great Depression. So he made, uh, he packaged together this thing. Now, there was no package. There was no Blue Apron. Shout out to Blue Apron if you want to sponsor us. Um, I use your product uh, very faithfully. Or, or Chef Boyardee if you want to sponsor us. Sure, sure. So this product, a uh, canister of Parmesan cheese, a box of spaghetti, a jar of sauce and then cellophane wrapped it together. Oh wow. Twenty-eight cents. Family of three, make it in fifteen minutes. Imagine was at it the time delivered or was this something you bought at the store? Uh, in the grocery store. Okay. So that was the product. Rather than just the sauce, it was a whole packaged meal. At the time, there were no packaged meals. Nobody was doing this. Nobody was doing this. And and uh that became so popular that he was actually the largest importer of Parmesan cheese in the world. Wow, that's saying something. By, by 1938, they had they moved uh, their all their production to Pennsylvania, where it still is, um, and uh, and they even grew their own mushrooms on the 
uh, factory grounds because one of the sauces had uh, had mushrooms in it. So, so just quick question on that is is Chef Boyardee? Um, I guess it started as an independent company, right? The way you're describing it, is it still an independent company or is it owned by Kraft or? some other big conglomerate. Yeah. Yeah. He actually sold it just like Colonel Sanders around the same uh-huh. time too. Back when, back when the man was uh, taking advantage of these, uh, these uh, people like that, they would, uh, and uh, I, he sold it for about the same amount of money too, about 6 million bucks. Wow. Yeah. Which, which, well, what year was that? Did he sell it? And it was uh, 19, uh, actually it was before that. It was 1946. So six billion bucks in nineteen forty six. That was that was some money. No, but I'll tell you why he sold. He wasn't really. He was forty eight years old back by then. He changed his name to, to Boy R D B O Y dash A R dash D E E because people couldn't pronounce it. And what a genius move at the time. Um, you know, if if that's what's holding people back from buying your stuff, just make it real simple. He put his picture on there is a, I don't know if you remember him growing up, but he did commercials all the way up until like 1979. I don't but remember it, any commercials. I remember his picture on the label, but I don't remember commercials. And it still is. And you can picture him right now. You close your eyes, you can picture yeah, Chef yeah, Boyardee. Yeah, right? he's kind of got, got his head sideways and he's smiling. And I think he's, he's got the mustache. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, don't, I don't know if he's holding the whisk. I feel like he was uh, holding something. He was holding, or maybe it was a rolling pin. Maybe, maybe. Um, he said that, um, his, his daughter said that everyone is proud of their family name, but sacrifices are necessary for progress. That's, that's kind of, that's what he said to his daughter. Um, and it's really not, it's not like he changed his name. He just changed the, changed it to a phonetic spelling to the American consumers that weren't used to, uh, to how to say an Italian name. Uh, these days you probably wouldn't do that. But at the time, it made it real simple. You know, I just I just searched for a picture of him, and I found a uh, a a mashup with Chef Boyardee and SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, uh, well it's, it was some sort have... of it wasn't a mashup; it was some sort of product um, where you know where Chef Boyardee. Oh, the the noodles are shaped like SpongeBob. Yeah, and is. we'll get we'll get to the licensing aspect of that too, which is also the American story. So right now we've covered immigration, we've covered the First World War, the Great Depression, Second World War comes, and um, he was supplying um, troops during World War II with his products. In fact, he was awarded the Gold Star of Excellence for supplying those troops. The company ran 24 hours a day. The factory ran 24 hours a day. They had 5,000 employees, and they were making 250,000 cans a day. A day? Of, a day at so, the height of World War II. So in four days, they're making a million cans of, yeah. of uh, spaghetti. To, but when you think about it, pretty much every uh, every able-bodied man uh, was fighting the war. So, um, so was at this time. Do you know were they making uh, just the pasta sauce, or were they making like the canned spaghetti? Uh, I I'm, imagine it was a can, like rations. That okay. um, that it was a can, probably of uh, raviolis, maybe. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The you raviolis. Just, you yep. just heat up and put your fork in there and eat it right out of the, um, right out of the can. 
But imagine how popular you're basically feeding every person who's at war. That's their staple. Um, well, after the war ended, they've got this 5,000 employee company making 250,000 cans a day. He had to either sell the company or lay everybody off. Cause they, they couldn't, they couldn't sustain. I mean, yeah, you don't have that kind of demand when the war is over. Yeah. And he couldn't do, he couldn't lay people off. He just, it just, it, it, it really uh, bothered him to lay people off. So he sold his company to American home foods in 1946 for $6 million, which is I, the exact amount. I think that Colonel Sanders uh, sold uh, KFC to in the sixties though. No, no. Colonel Sanders was like 2.9 or something. I remember it being less. Oh, than really? That. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll have to go back and listen to that episode for the exact <laughs> yeah. amount. <laughs> but uh, no, I think um, it was like less than half of what Chef Boyardee got. Chef Boyardee had also invested in steel mills during the Korean war at the beginning of the Korean war. And I guess he lost his shirt on that. So he, uh, he was cash poor. He needed the money. He needed the money. Um, after he sold it, the company became the leading canned food and bread in the U S. Um, but like Colonel Sanders, he continued to be in the commercials until 1979 and, um, serve as their spokesperson. Unlike Colonel Sanders, he didn't trash the, the, he, he didn't say that he didn't say the gravy tasted like wallpaper paste. <laughs> he did not. By 1985, it was doing um, the year he died. Chef uh, Boyardee was doing five hundred million dollar a year in sales. Wow! So that's that's he got to see that he got to see the company grow that big, uh, and it was bought by ConAgra in 2000. So American okay. Home Foods doesn't own it anymore. It's ConAgra, they still use his picture and they still make it in Milton, Pennsylvania. The factory, the original um, location of Milton, Pennsylvania is still where they make that stuff. Wow. Basically has six, six products and then lots of variations of these things. You got your spaghetti and meatballs, the meat lovers pasta, the um, mini ravioli, beef ravioli, beefaroni. <laughs> beefaroni and lasagna. Now you might know beefaroni. You might have a. Uh, you might remember a Seinfeld episode where they uh, have the handsome cab, where Kramer's driving the handsome cab, and the horse uh, eats uh, beefarino. Do you remember oh, was, that? Was that a, was that a takeoff on beefaroni? Well, they tried to use beefaroni, and it was the only time on Seinfeld's run that a product asked them to not use their. Uh, they had to run it by. You know NBC and um, and uh, Chef Boyardee said, "Please don't do that because if you remember the the story, the the horse ate it and um, got diarrhea." And uh, <laughs> I don't think I ever saw that one, but that sounds comedy ensued. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they changed it to Beefarino in the script, which wow. actually is a funnier name than Beefaroni. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so those are their basically six products. You might notice some thing I didn't say in there was spaghettios. Spaghettios. I was going to ask about spaghettios. That's not Chef Boyardee. That's okay. um, Franco American. Franco American. Yes. So so I don't know if you got those confused. I I couldn't remember uh, spaghettios or raviolios, but that that's not a Chef Boyardee product. Okay. Okay. Well, good to know. I'm. I, I, I 
ate a lot of SpaghettiOs growing up, and I remember my mom would uh, boil a hot dog and then cut it up and put it in the SpaghettiOs. So it was like a cut-up hot dog, and SpaghettiOs was a big thing for us. So my wife is an Italian-American and was forbidden from eating Chef Boyardee or SpaghettiOs. We weren't allowed to have it and didn't have it until college. I wonder if this will be her first uh, episode to listen to since we're talking about <laughs> Chef Boyardee. I think she's forbidden from listening to this episode. <laughs> That's right. But they, those were their six basic products. But let me tell you, man, they have a lot of discontinued products that I'd like to share with you. Yeah, let's hear. Um, uh, there was something called Beefagetti. <laughs> <laughs> now, at this point, I think that this is probably in the 80s when this is – American home foods, Chef Boyardee is long gone, and they the the consultants or the marketing people at uh, at this company just got to they. I don't know if they didn't care or if they were just bad at their jobs, but some of these names, man, uh, cheesy nacho twistaroni, <laughs> cheeseburger max with two X's. That's so eighties, right? Yeah. Um, chili cheese dog twistaroni. Twistaroni. <laughs> Uh, Kicking Sloppy Joe, oh, I like pasta, that. pasta fazoo uh, with uh, okay. like animal shapes, like a kazoo, um, but uh, but fuzzy. No, like 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 pasta fazoo, pasta fazool, fajoli is a thing they call it uh, pasta fazool. Um, Sir Chomps a lot, bite sized cheese ravioli. <laughs> Who's Sir Chomps a lot? <laughs> sounds like a character on The Simpsons. But here's my favorite. They had a product. They introduced it was um, to be uh, eaten kind of like, you know, you have your Lunchables, right? Yeah. Things that you could put in a kid's lunch. Um, I don't know if this came before or after Lunchables, but this name to me is inexcusable. Forkables. (laughs) (laughs) They actually had a product called Forkables. (laughs) As if this food is forkable. Is this food forkable? No, that's not forkable. Uh Give me that forkable food, um, sports forkables. Um, I was yeah. about to ask, what about sporkable? I, you know what I didn't say in the Colonel Sanders episode? I think they invented the spork. That Colonel that uh, that KFC, KFC did? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I, I, maybe. I do associate sporks with KFC because I remember the little mashed potatoes and gravy would have it. But then you could but you'd have to be it. able to eat the corn to stab yeah. the corn, too. Yeah, yeah. 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 The thing that that Chef Boyardee did really, I don't know if you could say well, because um, they probably went overboard, was the licensing. That they were really marketing to children. So they had licenses with Pac-Man and the Smurfs and Spider-Man and SpongeBob, as you pointed out already, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They had tic-tac-toe pasta shapes. They had Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle pasta shapes with mini meatballs. Anything that you could license, they would try to make a pasta mold out of it and have it swimming in that in that sauce. You know, um, so I think there's one that you forgot or didn't have on your list that I'm curious about. Do you remember ABCs and one two threes? Yeah. No. No. Um, so ABCs and one two threes. Yeah, I found I found a picture of it with Chef Boyardee on it. Okay. Okay. And yeah, and that's real. You could make um, love messages to uh, to people. Um, you could um, do your math homework. Uh, I don't know. 
Um, did you used to partake in ABCs and went? You just used to like write little oh, yeah. messages. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was kind of like it was. It was that and the uh, the little hearts that you got at Valentine's Day that that um, you know said different things on them. Do you think that came before or after Alphabet Soup? Oh, who made Alphabet Soup? So Alphabet Soup must have been first, and then he rode must have rode that wave, unless he originated it. And then Alphabet Soup seems so obvious that that would come first, don't you think? But to my knowledge, Jeff Boyerty did not make soup. A quick uh, Google search: Campbell's made tomato A disease. Yeah, Which what year that? was? Well, I, we don't know what the. Um, well, no, this is yeah. still. Oh, wait, no. So, this can of Campbell's A disease is forty two dollars. I wonder if it's uh I wonder if this is a um, Andy Warhol. No, no, no. <laughs> if it's uh if it's oh, it's a twelve pack of it's twelve of them. Okay, <laughs> I was like, why would this be? I thought maybe it was like a collector's item. Like, if you collect this stuff, do you just keep the food in it? You know, is it is it sort of like keeping wine? I, I think that's I think that's the only way. It, well, it's not like keeping wine that you can't eat it later. Um, although I, I'm guessing that there's probably a pretty good shelf life on this stuff. There's, yeah, uh, but but not like 50 years. Well, I don't know. Preppers love this stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's it's part of their canned good uh, equation. Well, that's amazing. I never even really thought he was a real guy. I thought he was just this character that was made up to put on the labels, but to know that he was actually a real guy who started the company, who actually supported the war effort. I mean, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on here. I think you said the same thing about Colonel Sanders. Yeah. You weren't sure if he was a real guy. Yeah. The thing that strikes me about Chef Boyardee is that it's an American 20th century story that not only is it a story of immigration and spans the two world wars and the great depression. But when you think about serving rations and the idea of working women um, after world war two, a lot of the women went to work and didn't have time to cook big meals that they had been doing before. So quick preparation of food was a thing. Um, Microwaves. When you think about microwave ovens that probably came, you know, in the late seventies, early eighties, this was, they repackaged their, their stuff. So it wasn't just coming from tin cans, but then you had microwavable bowls that you could bring to work or put in your kid's lunch or whatever. Um, The idea of licensing uh, and having, Oh, that's huge. uh, Having Pac-Man or something, having a kid buy something just because there's Pac-Man shapes in it. That's a, uniquely american late 20th century thing i mean this guy was an american food icon and you know sometimes i wonder the the people that we talk about how long will people be talking about them uh i think 200 years from now there's probably still going to be chef boyardee yeah uh that people are going to be eating and not even thinking twice and it's going to have his 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 face on the on the cover so well i mean it's a perfect thing to take to mars right it's it's pretty much uh <laughs> yeah. it it is almost like space food yeah now originally uh i don't know if you want to keep this part in um but uh originally i was going to bring you some when we were supposed to meet up uh to do this <laughs> you're going to bring I was you gonna some bring, chef boyardee 
and we were going to share it together. I had oh. I had a couple of little bowls in my in my um, laptop case. I had some bowls and a can wow. opener. We were going to share some ravioli together nice. and see wow. if it tastes like we remember it. So I was really this would have been a perfect one to do together. Um, even today, I was thinking of uh, doing Postmates and having some delivered to your front door. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that well, might cost me about 50 bucks. Right, <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, that that is that is really true, though, because, you know, I think for us, our generation, I, I'm going to guess that probably our children, who are all, you know, teenagers, college age, um, they probably have heard the name, but don't know it like we do. You know, it, it isn't as, I, I don't think brands like that, it's kind of an old brand, right? It's a brand that isn't quite as modern and as exciting as some of the newer things. Um, yeah. And so I, I don't know. I don't, I, I do agree with you that I think it'll be around for a long time, but I don't think it'll be quite as commonly known as we we know because of when we grew up. That's a good point. And when I think back, I remember him on commercials, the, the chef himself. I remember his face being a lot more prominent on the can. Now it's like a little thumbnail um, that you can barely see. Uh, You're right. I don't think his name, it's just another brand. It's like Kraft or General Mills or something that his name probably doesn't have that staying power that uh, that it once did. I I hadn't thought about that, but I think you're right. I'm not sure his, his, his brand... I'm not sure they did any favors with him when the brand since 1985. It's just another one. We didn't even know the difference between Franco American and Chef Boyardee until we but, looked this up. So, but I did remember that little jingle. The do you remember that Franco American? It was at the end of their commercials. But we didn't remember a Chef Boyardee one, and I remember the cans that used to have Boyardee in big letters. Yeah, with with his mug, with his stupid face with the, the the mustache the little handlebar mustache or i don't know if it was a handlebar or not but with the big chef's hat in fact i remember being a kid and when somebody would give you like a chef's hat you'd call it a chef boy rd hat <laughs> right 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 we, right we am i wrong about that yeah he he personified any professional chef in the kitchen exactly he, the he one with the big poofy it was the big poofy white hat yeah, you'd call it a Chef Boyardee hat, much like a top hat is an Abraham Lincoln hat. So, so at the time, though, if you think about it, there weren't celebrity chefs like we have today, right? So he might have been one of the first celebrity chefs to exist. Oh, he and Colonel Sanders both. Yeah. In fact, I actually looked up: Did Chef Boyardee and Colonel Sanders ever meet? And I found this weird, uh, like, um, fan fiction video where they're like it's like a cartoon where they do meet and i don't know it's i don't i don't i didn't really want to watch it <laughs> it was it, it was disturbing f- to me fan fiction <laughs> it looked like it yeah wow it looked like it might have been like anime or something i don't do know do they fight it, or do they meet under i don't know colonel, colonel sanders looked real young in it like he okay. was like a like a like a <laughs> I, I, I would, would like to watch that it's, <laughs> if it's not any longer than five minutes i would watch it <laughs> Well, I was sleepy when I found it and I uh, didn't uh, didn't want to sully um I didn't want to confuse that with with truth. Yeah. I'm all yeah. about looking for the truth here on Dirt Nap City. That's right. We um, don't want to we don't want to uh be considered fake news. No, that's right. 
So I would encourage anybody with real information about any of the people we talk about to uh, to email us. We each have email addresses. Yeah. I'm Alex at DirtNapCity.com. Kelly's Kelly at DirtNapCity.com. Have you I received- do have an email I want to read. Yeah, I do. I have one from Alfred from Austin. Oh, Alfred from Austin. What did he say? He says, hey, you guys should do Bob Ross. <laughs> yeah. So here's my message, Alfred. We don't take requests. You get who you get. We have a certain, I'm not going to go as far as calling it an algorithm, but we have a way of- A scientific uh, method. Yeah, of selecting who you get. A methodology. I'm not saying, Let's I'm not saying we will or that. won't. Yeah, we're not going to, I'm not going to say we will or won't do Bob Ross, but, and, and, and like I said before, we're going to do everybody eventually. Yeah. Um, but where he falls in the algorithm, um, I can't Including you, promise. Alfred. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. If he's interesting. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> Could be. Uh, what about what about Schmitty from New Orleans? The the hot dog salesman. He might be interesting. Hard to research. Yeah. We have some pictures. And I don't want anyone out there thinking we're just doing Wikipedia on this, you know? I think that would be insulting to think that we don't go through hours and hours of research. Well, we have a visit- team. A like team. when exactly Department. so like in the in the uh in the Eleanor Roosevelt episode you may not know that Kelly spent 10 days at the FDR presidential library uh, researching this stuff I personally just got back from Pennsylvania where I was touring the factory yeah uh, the uh, on the your way on your way back from Plymouth yeah I mean this stuff is yeah. is a is a labor of love it's a time commitment folks it is. So I don't want the, anybody thinking this is just a quick, that anybody could do this, just a quick Wikipedia search or anything. No, no, don't, don't think that. Please don't think that. And don't go to Wikipedia either. <laughs> yeah, to, yeah. To, to, <laughs> yeah. If, if you hear, if you hear a very uh, uh, interesting turn of phrase from us, don't try to match it on Wikipedia because that's probably not where it came from. And it might be plagiarism. <laughs> I don't think it is if we say it versus uh, if we if we wrote an article with the same thing, then that's plagiarism. But no, but if somebody was writing a term paper based on what we said and they quote us, that might be plagiarism. Mm, Twice yeah. removed. Yeah, got to be careful. Yeah, <laughs> just like uh, FDR's cousin. It all comes back around. Yeah, you know what makes me most happy about this episode is. I'm just glad to know that the people in Dirt Nap City are well fed. They are. They are. Uh, they between, have between Colonel Sanders and and Chef Boyardee uh, and all the other great chefs we've lost. But you know, two hundred and fifty thousand cans a day is still not going to cut it in Dirt Nap City. Well, those folks aren't very hungry. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they don't need much. It's it's not feeding for sustenance. It's feeding for pleasure. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. It's it's the nutrition. No nutrition required. So it might be a ravioli a year. Yeah, yeah. They they do it uh, on you know Dios de la Mora de de um, yeah the Day of the Dead it's when yeah. they when they have the ravioli. I was really hoping that we could enjoy uh, eating this together. I don't know. I was really hoping to bring you some forkables. I appreciate that. Do you have some there with you? I don't. I don't. I didn't. I never got to actually buy it. Um, no. 
but um, but next time I see you, yeah, and then we'll talk about yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get we'll get some KFC whether, and some Boyardee. Yeah, and some forkables. Some things are forkable, and you don't think they are forkable, and then something like Eleanor Roosevelt, for example. <laughs> <laughs> Her mother didn't think she was very forkable. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, man. Well, we've really devolved here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I would have uh, been kicking myself if I hadn't have said that. (laughs) Well, I think Um, you're very forkable. Thank you. You too. Now, uh, so thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode on Hector Boyardi. And um, as usual, uh, Dirt Nap City, the show about interesting people that happen to be dead, uh, will be brought to you every week. And next week, we hope to bring you somebody that's a little more interesting, a little more um, dead. Yeah. Less yeah. dead. No, more more dead. Honestly, Chef Boyardee was a pleasant surprise. I, I really kind of like these business icon people um, that from the food world. That's That's your niche. And if we ever, I've thought about this. I don't know if you've thought about this. If we ever pick the same person on the same day, don't panic. Will it make it our two-part episode? Yeah, yeah, part one, part two, or even like a death match, like who 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 wore it best? <laughs> so I was worried you'd say ah, Chef Boyardee, and then I'd have nothing. Uh, but yeah. we could actually make that a two-part episode. That is the part. upside of going first, I guess. Yeah, but I'm all prepared to have, and one day it'll happen. It will. I mean, there's only there's only so many dead people. There's out there. only so- interesting dead people. We're not including yeah, Alfred Alfred from Austin. I figure we've only got like 50 more. You know, I, I do think that I need to uh, create just a generic email that goes to both of us. Like, I think we can have our own, but, I, you know, it's kind of weird that they would, that, that somebody, there's like a gnat flying around in here, that somebody would send you a, um, like send you an email or send me one. So I'm, I'm going to create like a, what, what, what would be a good, what would be a good name for it? Like, uh, um, corpse at dead dirt nap city or oh I always thought it was going to be like questions or something <laughs> oh, no I was thinking something about a dead person um, oh jeez stiff at dead nap city dirt nap city uh, well, I'll come up with something if you have an idea just email it yeah to yes. that address <laughs> just start randomly at dirt nap cities until it gets to us yeah thanks everybody uh, bye, Kelly. Bye, Alex. Good to see you. Next time we'll have a uh, little Boy RD and, and KFC together. Bye. Bye.